Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us today to finish our series through the book of James. Today we'll be reading from James chapter 5, 13 through 20, as we learn of some of the life hacks that we can use to make our lives easier, as well as helping with our obedience to God on what he has called us to do. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. If you have your copy of God's Word, open it up and turn it on as you grab your seat there. And uh, we're going to be in James chapter 5. We're going to look in, uh, in James uh, 5. We're going to start there in verse 13, and we're going to finish uh, the chapter today. But um, kind of as you turn there, I don't know about you, but growing up, I always thought it was fun to uh, go to my grandparents. And when I went to my grandparents, we always went to this place called Merrimack Springs. And that's up there close to Rolla, Missouri, which if you don't know where Rolla, Missouri is, that's okay. Uh, nobody else does. It is like the armpit of America, but that's neither here nor there. But we'd go to Merrimack Springs and there we would uh, get to hang out and you know play in the creek when we were younger and we'd always go on this cave tour. Well, um, Mammoth Cave is uh, there in central Kentucky and in Mammoth Cave, it is uh, one of the largest caves in the world. It's actually uh, about 400 miles long. And it has all these little fingerings and, and, and goes out everywhere. I mean, 400 miles of, of cave. And when you go on the tour up there, they'll take you into this place uh, at the very beginning. And it's called the cathedral. And, you know, you have the stalagmites and the stalactites and the termites and the you know, all this stuff in there. And the guide will get up there, okay? The guide will get up there and he'll stand in a place that's called the pulpit. And it kind of looks like a pulpit. And he stands there at the pulpit and he gives a sermon. And he even tells everyone, we're entering into the cathedral. Everybody come around. I'm going to stand at the pulpit and I'm going to give a sermon. And the guide will stand up there and the sermon will be this. Keep close to your guide Amen. And that's it. And that's the sermon. Keep close to your guide. Amen. And then you will continue on uh, the tour there at Mammoth, uh, at, at Mammoth Cave. Now, here's something to know about it. There's a reason why the guide says that. The guide says that because since the cave system is so big, okay, 400 miles, and it has all these precipices and all these other fingerlings that go out that people have actually gotten disconnected from the group. They've been lost uh, on the guided tour, and they have died. <laughs> they got lost in the cave, and they've died. They've actually gone down in there, and uh, they found uh, people that have died uh, years and years back because they went into the cave and they could not find their way out. And it was this simple sermon that they give at the beginning of every tour. Stay close to your guide. Amen. When you look at James chapter 5 and you look at the very end, what he does is he kind of leaves us some final thoughts, some final conclusions. And what I love is that it is just so simple. They are simple instructions for us especially as guys, when you look at the theme of, of James, it is, it is about works. And our, our kind of topic for the past couple months has been James doing the right work the right way. And so there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. And so James has kind of been going through and he's 
told us, you know, hey, listen, this is, this is how we should use our tongue. This is how we should use our actions. This is how we should use our finances. And he's just kind of going through a laundry list of, hey, here are some things you can do as a believer and as a follower of Jesus. Here are some things you can do for the kingdom that are productive. And so what he does is he summarizes everything into some short, sweet, and concise sentences that make it easy for us to understand. And that's what I love because sometimes I get so bogged down or even I forget a lot of the details. How many of you, you are not a detail guy, right? You are not, am I the only one that's not a detail guy? I have no clue, all right? not a detailed guy. My wife says, hey, we're going to go on this trip. And I said, great, where are we going? And she'll tell me, she'll be like, hey, we got to go to Houston. We got to go here. We got to go there. Okay, wherever. You know what I hear? She tells me this is where we're going. This is where we're staying. This is how you get there. I don't know. I just know I'm going to Houston. That's it. All right. And for a lot of us as guys, we like, just give it to me short, sweet, and simple. It's kind of like those life hacks. Y'all ever, uh, y'all ever pay attention to any life hacks or anything like that? Yeah. Okay. So Byron, he's a big fan. Okay. So let me tell you this. I love bacon. How many dudes in here love bacon? Okay. Every man should raise his hand. Okay. We all love bacon, right? It, I have been on a mission lately to find out how to cook bacon faster. Is anybody with me on that? Because here's the deal, is you go to Sam's and you get the two pack of the right brand bacon. Y'all with me on that? Because it's the thick stuff, right? You get it, you take it home, you pull out your skillet, and it takes like an hour and 45 minutes to cook, what? No, I'm getting ready to blow your mind. Here's the deal. Because you can put it on the skillet, right? But you're going to have to adjust the temperature. It's going to pop. I mean, it's kind of dangerous, which is awesome. But then you have a massive mess that you have to clean up. If you put it in the oven, yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit better, but it still takes forever to cook. And when I want bacon, I want bacon. You know what I mean? I don't want to wait an hour and a half to cook all of this bacon, right? So and if I put it into the oven, there's a kicker when you put it into the oven. When you put it into the oven, it still messes the oven up. And I'm not cleaning the oven. And so I have to listen to my wife clean the oven being like, oh, you shouldn't cook bacon in the oven. L listen to me, guys. I'm about to blow your mind. So I got on YouTube and I said, easier way to cook bacon. And here's what I discovered. First of all, you need to get an eight quart nonstick pot. You need to set that. Oh, you're laughing now. You try it. You set this pot on your burner and you turn it on high. You get one package. If you want, you can do both. But one package of the right brand, two and a half pound applewood smoked bacon. You cut it in half. And then you peel it off one strip at a time and you just throw it in the pot. And then you set the top on the pot and you let it cook for five minutes. You let it cook for five minutes on high. Then you get your nonstick spatula and you stir the pot, all right? You stir the pot at five minutes and then you set your timer for every three minutes. Every three minutes you come back with your spatula and you stir the pot, okay, every three minutes. And you do that, and you do that 
for about 14 minutes total. Okay, because at about 14 minutes, your bacon is getting to the point where some of you, you're kind of like my father-in-law, you like your bacon like right off the pig, you know, which is gross and disgusting, but that's just him, okay? But uh, I like my bacon crispy. So you cook it for a total of about 16 minutes. 16 minutes, all right? And it comes out perfectly crispy. And I looked at this video and I did what you are sitting there saying right now. There's no way. Guys, I'm here as a testimony to tell you it works. It is a game changer in my household. I have been cooking bacon every night because it's so easy. There's no mess. There's no grease splatter. There's no, it's all right there in the pot. And so then when I'm done stirring it all, you know, I get out the tongs and I pull it out and I put it there on the sheet. There's no bacon splatter. There's no mess to clean up. All I have to do is turn it off and wait about five minutes for that oil to cool down. Then I just dump it in a, in a, uh, in a can or whatever. I dispose of it, wash the pot and I'm done. Instead of taking an hour and 45 minutes just to cook some bacon, just to cook a package of right brand bacon. Now it takes me about 20 minutes. I can cook it and be clean and done. And the house just doesn't reek of bacon all the time, which I love, but my wife is not too happy about that. But that's one of those life hacks. And guys, we are always trying to find some way to do it simpler, aren't we? we uh, if you have a hard job, I just want to, you know, if you have a hard job to do, the best way to get that hard job done is to find the laziest guy to do it, and he will find the easiest way to make it happen. Y'all with me on that? Amen. That's how you do it. And so we're all about those life hacks. And here's what James does. James, at the very end of his letters, at the very end of this book, he kind of gives us some life hacks. And he says, hey, look, instead of, instead of going through all of these steps, take everything that I've said, and we're going to condense it down in just a few verses in just a few sentences and if we can remember these sentences if we can remember these verses guess what that's just going to make our lives so much more easier not only so much more easier but also obedient to God and what he has called each one of us to do and so let's look at James chapter 5 and in verse 13 and guys I only have two thoughts this morning so it's going to be a little shorter and all God's men said all right, so here we go. The first thought is this, is that various times require various spiritual disciplines, so adjust accordingly. Various times require various spiritual disciplines, so simply adjust accordingly. When you look there in verse 13, it says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And prayer and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth 
produced its crops. If you notice, when our circumstances change, our behavior adjusts to those circumstances. There are times of prosperity. There are times of affliction. There are times of relaxation. And then there are times when it is intense. And so our situation, and as it changes, so do our reactions. But how we interact with God stays the same. In other words, we are constantly connected to God. And so those spiritual disciplines, they might change. But guess what? I'm still connecting to God. Look at it in verse 13 and 14. If anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. If anyone is happy, let him sing songs. If anyone is sick, let them call the elders and pray over them and anoint them with oil. If you notice here, there are two spiritual disciplines that, uh, that James points out. First of all, he says, if anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. If anyone is happy, man, sing. Man, sing. I, handsome Greg, I'm sure you love that verse, don't you? <laughs> let them sing. I... Uh, I walked into church Sunday morning. I was fired up, ready to go. Of course, I had a pot of coffee before 5 o'clock in the morning. I was ready to go. And uh, I was, uh, I know this is real spiritual, but I was listening to Neil Diamond on the way into church getting ready. <laughs> and uh, no, it was, it was Kentucky Woman. <clears throat> and I walked in, <clears throat> and that's all the song I know. And if you know Neil Diamond, you know kind of his voice is like, Ugh! and uh, so I walked in and I was like, Kentucky woman, bah, bah, she gets to know you. Bah, bah. And someone goes, hey, are you singing Kentucky woman? I go, yeah, Neil Diamond and said, yeah, let's keep it that way. And I was like, jerk. But anyway, <laughs> I, was in a, I was in a good mood and I was singing and I was celebrating. And it was great. And uh, you know what, what's great? It, it, I was thinking about this. Is It's funny, the impact of worship. Um, because there are guys that are in worship right now. And they stand there. They put their hands in their pocket. And people around are worshiping. And, and God's spirit is moving among the people. And they're just stoic. But then all of a sudden they'll break. And they'll start doing this. You know, kind of going up on their... And then you'll see their mouth just kind of start to move. And what are they doing? They can't help it. Man, the joy of the Lord gets in them. And they begin to sing. It might be small. It might be tiny. You might barely be able to hear. But it doesn't matter. Man, God's beginning to do something in their hearts and in their lives. And they're beginning to see, you're beginning to see the joy of who God is. And here's what I love is scriptures just says, hey, listen, if there is a time to be happy, then be happy and rejoice. If there is a time to pray, then pray. Uh, you ever walk into a room and read it wrong? <laughs> ever walk in and be like, hey, everybody, and they just kind of look at you and you're like, oh, <laughs> my bad. Or ever, you ever walk in all mopey? Everyone's ha happy and laughing? 
Man, what does James say? He says, look at this situation. Read the situation in the room when you enter it. Read the situation and what's going on in your heart and in your life. And gentlemen, there are times when you need to pray. There are times when you need to give. There are times when you need to laugh and rejoice and to sing. But when you do it, do not do it under your own power, but rather do it with God. Do it with Jesus Christ. In everything that we do, in every circumstance, in every situation, make sure God is involved. When you're happy, make sure God gets the praise and the glory. When you're praying, make sure that you're calling out to Jesus Christ. Man, if you're struggling through something, make sure you turn to a fellow brother and ask for help. When you break it down, you see that during afflictions, we should have prayer. If anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. Psalm 50, verse 15, and call unto me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. I really like that. Right there, you see prayer, you see struggle, and then at the end, what do you see? You see happiness, you see joy. In your day of trouble, call on me, I will deliver you, and then you will honor me. In other words, we'll turn around, we'll sing. <laughs> Thank you, God. You see, when we have prosperity and prosperity abounds, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through songs and hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Man, I just want to encourage you guys. We men should be the loudest ones singing during worship because we have so much to be thankful for, do we not? We have so much to praise God about. Um, uh, handsome Greg, I want a commission for all the, all, the, all the pub I'm getting you right now. You know what I mean? Okay, thanks. If you look here, it says sickness. Sickness should cause us to care for one another. Sickness should cause us to care one another. I mean, go in and read the room. If somebody is sick, man, minister to them. Help them out. Give them a call. Say, hey, are you, are you doing okay? Do you need anything? It says this, in the prayer of uh, a prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. I like what Romans 15, 1 says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Righteous living and right living is a choice that God rewards. Look at this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and Effective. John 9.31 says this, We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does His will. And then James gives us an example of Elijah. And Elijah is this dude that is in constant communication with God. Everything that he does, God is involved in his life. And Elijah makes sure God is involved in his life. And if you don't know this story, there's this story about Elijah and how the children of Israel have turned their back on God. And so Elijah throws down a challenge and said, okay, fine. It is Baal and Asherah against the one true God, the God of Israel. And they meet at this place called Mount Carmel. And Elijah shows up and it's just him. 
It's just Elijah. And then you have 450 prophets of Baal. You have 400 prophets of Asher. So there's 850, right? That's right, right? Yeah, there's 850 priests there from Baal and Asher. And they all get together. So it's 850 plus the children of Israel against one dude and God. And it hasn't rained in three and a half years in Israel. And so what do the prophets of Baal and Asherah do? Man, they weep and wail and they have sacrifices and they call out to their gods for hours and hours and hours. And Elijah, he just sits back and he goes, y'all, y'all just keep on calling. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe they're on vacation. I don't know where they're at. And then it's Elijah's turn. And look at what happens in 1 Kings 18, 36 through 37. It says this, At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed. This is Elijah's prayer. This is it. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God of Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you are Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Do you see how simple that prayer is? Man, God is not looking for the most elaborate prayer. He's not looking for the longest prayer. He is looking for a prayer from the heart. And generally, what I have found personally in my heart is that when I pray to God, I come before Him and I just get raw. And I say, God, here is what is going on. You know it's what, and I just need you to show up and intervene. What does Elijah say? Man, God, show up. Hear me and please answer me. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. How do you become a righteous man? Well, you got to start doing the right things. You got to simply start doing it. It's really simple. <laughs> you start doing the right things. And it doesn't happen overnight. It builds over time. It is making one right decision after another right decision after another right decision after another right. And it continues to grow and it continues to build. Making right decisions is a habit. It's a habit. Especially when it comes to us and the way we live and what we do and what we say. I could say this or I could say that. There's a right decision there. I need to say the right thing. And so for us to grow, we need to daily be making the right decisions. And as we grow in making those right decisions. Guess what? Our prayers grow. They grow in power. They grow in effectiveness. Again, just go back. The prayers of a righteous man, of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Donald uh, Whitney said this. He said, spiritual disciplines are the God-given means by which we are to bring ourselves before the Lord. And as we enjoy a growing relationship with Him, through them, He changes us for the purposes of godliness. That is, He makes us more like Jesus. In every situation, there is a spiritual discipline that we must present, that we must walk into with. And James just gives us a very simple kind of template. Hey, look, 
There is a time for prayer. There's a time to rejoice. And then all the stuff in between there, there's something that God wants you to be involved in. And there's something that God wants you to do and be in that situation. And this kind of leads us to our second thought, which is simply this. Look out for one another. So he simply says, hey, listen, there are certain times when you need to use certain disciplines. As a matter of fact, in all things, there's a certain discipline that you need to use. And then after that, he says, look out for each other. And I really love this. If you look in verse 19 and 20, it says this. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's how he ends it. And I like it because when you look in verses 19 and 20, you kind of see two types of salvation. The first type of salvation is saving a brother or sister. It is saving a brother or sister, someone who is in Christ and who knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior, is saving them from sinning. In doing wrong. In essence, it is our form of accountability. That's what it is. And I know accountability is kind of one of those words that kind of as guys, I feel like it's gotten like a, a bad reputation. Y'all with me on that? Because when I think of accountability, especially for us as brothers, it's like we have to sit down and we have to kind of like confess our sins to each other, right? Are y'all kind of with me on that? Some of you are like, yeah, it's kind of like that. This is what accountability is for us as guys. And let's break it down and make it really simple. Accountability for us as guys, especially as Christians, is simple this dude that's it because you know what when somebody looks at me you're with me on that right because when I'm sitting around and I'm with other Christians and I pop off and say something that maybe I shouldn't which is pretty often <laughs> I get this look and then someone says dude and you know what that means that means, man, what, what were you thinking? What were you saying? What was going on in your heart? And automatically, there is a conviction there. There doesn't need to be a long discussion about it. There doesn't need, we don't need to go back into the back and pray about it. It just need, needs to simply be, dude. Or it's like my son would say, bruh, <laughs> bruh. But for us as guys, that's all it really needs to be. We don't need to sit down and talk about it. We don't need to sit down and ask how you were feeling about that. We just need to simply look at each other and go, dude. And no more needs to be said. Because guess what? When that guy turns and looks at me and he says, dude, I know what he's thinking as a Christian. I know he's sitting there and he's going, man, you shouldn't have said that. Or man, you shouldn't have acted in that way. Because automatically there's conviction in my heart and in my life. Because I'm going to know I definitely did something wrong. And they know that I did something wrong. I mean, that's, that's like half of our conversations. Frazier and I, I'm always like, hey, Frazier. And he's like, dude, what did I do? That's accountability, though. And for us as guys, sometimes and most of the time, that's all we need. That's all we need. You got a guy at the office that claims they're a Christian. And yet they have a potty mouth. Just look at them one time. They start going off and go, dude, and see what happens. They'll pause and then they'll be like, wait, what? 
guys, I, I just want to let you y'all know, y'all have permission to like dude me, okay? But that means I have permission to dude you too. To simply look at you and go, dude, come on. That's not the way God has called us to live. That is not the way God has called us to act. And so let's get in line accordingly and let's help each other out. And guys, we need to look out for each other. For a lot of us here in this room, we need that, we need that, that guy that just looks at me and says, dude, we need that guy. We need a guy to look at us when we're messing up and say, dude, we need a guy to call us on the phone and be like, hey, man, I don't know what you're going through, but dude. We need that guy and we need to help each other and we need to encourage each other to live righteously. Can you imagine here in this room if we all left and we all just looked at each other and we said, hey, man, you have a great day and you live for God. I'm going to call up. I'm going to follow up on uh, with you. How do men grow? We grow together. That's how we grow. We grow together. We can grow as individuals, but we become stronger when we grow together. Proverbs 27, 7, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. You know how you restore somebody gently? Dude, that's how you restore them gently. But watch yourselves so also that you may not be tempted. Carry each other's burdens in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, un unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I mean, guys, watch out for each other. Hold each other accountable. And encourage each other. And I like this. this is, I don't know about you, but I like encouragement. I like it when guys say, good job. I like it when guys say, hey, you knocked it out of the park. Hey, I like it when guys say, you know what? You could have done this better. Because you know what? When people say that to you, they love you. They're trying to help you out. They're trying to make you better. And as Christian brothers here in this room, as men, we need to be encouraging each other. We need to be encouraging each other. But then there's, there's the first type, which is, hey, we need to look out for each other and, and help each other not sin. But then the second type is simply an invitation for Christ to dwell in the non-believer. If you look, it says this, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Paul wrote in Romans 11, that he had just sent out to the uh, Gentiles. Uh, he was also talking to his countrymen about Jesus. And in Romans 11, 13 through 14, it says this, I am talking to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, take pride in my ministry in hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some for them. Paul is talking to 
these Gentiles and he's a Jew and these Gentiles are coming to know Jesus and they are beginning to follow Jesus. He says, hey, listen, you guys are becoming saved and I'm hoping the more and more that are being saved as Gentiles, my Jewish brothers and sisters will come to know Jesus. You know, guys, we need to hold each other accountable. We need to help each other out. We need to keep each other from sin. But in addition to that, we also need to be telling other people about Jesus. Proverbs 24, 11, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering toward slaughter. When you tell somebody about Jesus, when you tell somebody about the saving power of who Jesus is and what He can do, and tell them about eternal life, guess what? You're saving them from death. You are saving them from an eternal death. This is simply a conversion. This is somebody moving from not following Jesus to following Jesus. It's transformation, as it calls in Romans 12, verse 2. Not to be conformed to this world, but rather to be transformed. We are supposed to help our brothers out, and then we are to go out and we are to share with others. In Jude chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, it says this, Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. We have the greatest message in the world. We have the best message in the world. Go forth and share. What does James do? He simply, in those last seven verses of James 5, he's just given us a reminder. A simple life hack. Hey guys, when you walk into the room, read the situation and apply whatever spiritual discipline that needs to be applied there. And when you walk, walk with God in everything that you do. You can't compartmentalize it. You cannot compartmentalize your Christianity. Everything that we do, we are little lights in this dark world. So go and be a light in every place and in every situation. And as you go, encourage one another. Support one another. Be the guy that says, dude. And be the guy willing to accept the dude. And to change. And to share Jesus with those around you. It's very simple, isn't it? I mean, we summed up like four months in James in just a few sentences. So guys, that's my challenge to you. Encourage each other. Share the gospel. And live how Christ would want you to live in every moment and in every situation. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. As we go our separate ways, God, I ask that we would, um, that we would honor you and glorify you in everything that we do. Uh, Father, if, we need, uh, if there needs to be a time to sing for joy, then God, let us sing and let us sing loud there's a time to pray, may we pray. Father, if there's somebody here that needs to be held accountable, God, that needs help, that's struggling through that secret sin, Father, we just ask that you, you would bring them help. And Father, we might be the help that they need. And so God, uh, may we also be faithful to share your good news of your son, Jesus Christ. God, uh, we love you. We thank you, and may our hands be productive as we go our separate ways today. It's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. And all God's men said, y'all have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. 
For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.